Hey, podcast family, before we jump into today's message, which is going to be a good one, because we're going to be summarizing key points from an article that just came out on June the 16th, 2022, out of the Journal of the American Heart Association. Now, even though this is out of the American Heart Association, it's making a lot of waves and a lot of sound in the world of perinatology. And it should, because it's taking something that we've kind of stick into the box of gynecology, which is PCOS, and takes it out of that box and applies it to a big issue, which is severe peripartum complications, especially around cardiovascular risk. So this is, again, eye-opening. We're going to get into some big stuff here, including potential for VTE, that's venous thromboembolic events. So we're going to cover that. But if I want to get into that, I just want to tell you all thank you. Look, over the last few days, it's been kind of weird. I'm, I'm a kind of a healthy guy. I mean, I'm, I'm, I try to be in shape. Um, I, my BMI is normal, thank God. But this COVID thing kind of took me out and it scared me. Uh, there was a concern about whether I had a little uh, PE or not. It turns out uh, it wasn't. It's just a little bit of atelectasis. But I am back. I'm not completely well, but I've got to get back on track and getting my podcast up and out just makes me feel better, makes me feel like I'm contributing because I just can't take this lying down, literally. So for those of you who sent me messages through Facebook, or for those of you who have my text, my personal number and send me texts, thank you so much for that. I mean, it really does. It's so encouraging. It just, it builds me up. It gets kind of lonely in the, in the hospital. I'm telling you guys, it's kind of weird being a patient. Total, total new respect for what our patients go through. I'm telling you, and having to pee in the bed in that little container, man, that is demoralizing. I'm telling you, it's weird. So thank you all for reaching out. I'm doing better. And now let's get in to what you really listened for, which is today's message. So let's go ahead and cover trends, predictors, and outcomes of cardiovascular complications associated with PCOS during delivery hospitalizations. So we're going to cover some things because you're thinking, wait, PCOS, I know, they're at risk for gestational diabetes and they can get preeclampsia. I know that. Right. But there's other things that they carry that you may not know about. And we're going to cover those right now. Here we go. Just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practice because medicine moves fast. This is Clinical Pearls. Okay, quick disclosure before we begin. You know, I like my little disclosures because they just keep me honest. One, I'm high on high-dose dexamethasone. So... <laughs> So if I say something weird, uh, just correct me, send me a message that that was kind of whack and I'll go back and fix it. But I stayed away from the antihistamines and I've got my albuterol nebs. I did that before the podcast. So hopefully I'm ready to go. Okay. I'm also fully caffeinated. So caffeine and dexamethasone on board. Woohoo! What could go wrong? The PCS story is really one about dedication to research and just having a vision to put something out that may be new. So get that case report out, get that abstract out, get that story out, because you never know where it can lead. Listen, about 90 years ago, Irving Stein and Michael Leventhal just wrote up a report that they found when they were studying infertile women who they found had amenorrhea and some hirsutism. Well, they did early ultrasounds on them. Yes, ultrasound was a thing back in the 50s. Just wasn't very good. And they said, hmm, there's a certain group of these women that have no period. They kind of have an issue with hair growth. And they have these weird polycystic ovaries on ultrasound. And they called it the 
the Stein-Leventhal syndrome. Of course, now it's evolved to polycystic ovarian disease, and now it's called polycystic ovarian syndrome. There's a move to move it to call it the metabolic ovarian syndrome, and I kind of like that because it's much more encompassing of all the issues involved. But man, we've come a long way from those initial reports. And in those, oh, now 80 years since first discovery, there's been a just explosion of data regarding PCOS. Most of that has to do with gynecology and infertility, but even its implications in obstetrics, which is what we're talking about here, cannot be ignored. Now, I said this in the intro. We already know, right? This is nothing new. Women with PCOS have insulin resistance. That is actually the hallmark dysregulation that even leads to PCOS. The ovaries are not the cause. The ovaries are part of the victim body that this insulin resistant hits. So it all starts with insulin resistance, which, once they get pregnant, sets the stage for other complications, including gestational diabetes and cardiovascular issues like new-onset gestational hypertension or preeclampsia. We know that already. This new article from the Journal of the American Heart Association doesn't cover that. It's talking about acute complications, peripartum. In other words, once they're admitted going into labor, what happens then? They've already been tested for gestational diabetes. They've been on watch for, oh, gestational hypertension or preeclampsia. But this is during delivery. So that's the catch, okay? That's the new spin. And this followed national inpatient sample data from 2002 to 2019. It's pretty large. And the reference, once again, is just 16 of June of 2022. Now, as much as I like the data in this study, because it really is clinically helpful, there is something I just don't like. I mean, I just don't like database or code mining studies. I just don't. I like cohort studies. Let's follow people and see what they do in real time. But some things are hard to do that way. You'd have to find a huge number of PCOS patients that are pregnant and that agree to be followed, and it's just hard to do long-term. So some things like this paper that went in for data mining, meh, I mean, it's not a cohort study, but some things you have to do this way, okay? So the authors used data from the national inpatient sample, again, 17 years worth, from 2002 to 2017, using the ICD-9 and ICD-10, the revised codes, to look at delivery hospitalizations and PCOS diagnoses, right? So that was the first pass. And then they went through those and looked for any other things that were coded as potential complications. All to say, if you're talking about peers with this and they say, well, was this a longitudinal cohort study? Was it retrospective or prospective? Well, it was none of those. It was a data search looking for ICD-9 and ICD-10 codes to match things together. And then that triggered the chart review as a secondary pass to pull these things out. Right. So, again, not a cohort study, but data mining together this data. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Before we go into that new study, just a quick reminder about what PCOS looks like in the general population. Remember that PCOS affects women across all races and ethnicities, and the prevalence rate is kind of broad at 3% to 10% because of those different propensities to get PCOS based on those different ethnicities. Traditionally, Hispanic and African-American women carry higher percentage rates of PCOS. The association between PCOS and the development of cardiovascular risk factors, of course, is already well established. We know that, and we've talked about that already. Things like incident hypertension, diabetes, all are increased in this population, especially in those with PCOS who are phenotypic PCOS, meaning they have obesity. Now, I don't know about you, but usually when I talk about PCOS and pregnancy, I always tell the medical students, I tell the residents, I tell the fellows, look, you got to remember, right, to have PCOS. So you got to do their test for gestational diabetes early and be on the watch for uh, hypertension. Now, most of these women already qualify for low-dose aspirin because they tend to be nulligravid and they tend to have obesity uh, or there's other factors involved. So there should be on aspirin anyway. But PCOS, and this is something that the college is looking at, may be added as one of those other you know, multiple factors to consider for starting a low-dose aspirin. Remember that IVF was just added to the low-dose aspirin in pregnancy recommendation list not long ago. So that list is ever-expanding, but PCOS COS really does qualify for low-dose aspirin in pregnancy because of these risk factors for cardiovascular disease. Ah, but that's just it. Once they get to delivery, a lot of us take a deep breath and go, well, we cleared that hurdle. Now we're just going to have to do with the delivery. But remember, PCOS, we now know, puts those women at peripartum risk as well, specifically regarding cardiovascular events. And that's the the whole purpose of this podcast. So just because now they've made it to delivery, they're not out of the woods. They still have the future risk of cardiovascular disease, the future risk of insulin-dependent diabetes. But this peripartum issue, they're at risk of bad things too. So I'm trying to make this push that there really should be, you know, in the EMR, there's flags that pop up, right? Oh, she's a factor five lad mutation carrier or prior history of stillbirth. There are things that should pop up on the screen when you log into a patient's record just to remind you, multifetal gestation or whatever. Well, one of those really should be history of PCOS because it's not just about the diabetes and the gestational hypertension antepartum. It's that they're at risk for acute peripartum events as well. Okay, I need another albuterol hit. Hold on. All right, let's get back to this study. This national inpatient sample database is one of several databases that's managed by the AHRQ. I like the AHRQ. I've got friends who sit on that committee. They're fantastic. A lot of great data comes out of there for population studies. That's the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, and that's through a federal-state industry partnership that's called the Hospital Cost and Utilization Project. The primary study endpoints were preeclampsia, peripartum cardiomyopathy, and heart failure. Secondary endpoints included eclampsia, acute coronary syndrome, ischemic and hemorrhagic stroke, pulmonary edema, cardiac arrhythmias, 
acute kidney injury, and venous thromboembolism. Remember, all of those things are under cardiovascular manifestations. They also looked at length of stay and cost of hospitalization. I'm not going to cover that that much because, you know, we don't deal with the finance stuff. Yes, cost containment is important. I want to do the evidence-based practice that if we do that and try to prevent these complications, the secondary cost savings will be there. But my goal in doing this isn't about cost. It's about better patient care, direct patient care. And if you want to look up that cost stuff that's in the manuscript, knock yourself out. I'm not going to do it. A total of 71 million weighted hospitalizations for deliveries were identified in the U.S. from 2002 to 2019. It's a lot of numbers. It's a lot of research. Of the included patients, 0.3% had a diagnosis of PCOS. The absolute N was 195,675. Patients with PCOS had a higher median age of 31 compared with 28 for patients without PCOS. They were actually more likely to be white race and were actually oddly less likely to be black race or Hispanic ethnicity, which is weird because by in the general population, they're more likely to be Hispanic or black who have the condition, which raises a whole other issue. Were those that were white with PCOS more likely to get proper care or infertility treatment than Hispanic or black? Oh, I'm not, I don't have the energy to deal with that. We'll leave that for later. In these comorbidities, diabetes, obesity, and dyslipidemia were more prevalent in the PCOS group when compared with patients without it. And of course, that makes sense. We get that, right? But remember, our focus here is peripartum issues. All right, let's get to it because I'm running out of steam here. The What were the results? Patients with PCOS had a higher incidence of cardiovascular complications, remember, just peripartum, compared with patients with out PCOS during their delivery hospitalization. Patients with PCOS had higher rates of developing preeclampsia. I'm going to give you odds ratios, but then again, I'm going to give you the absolute number too, so you can see what that looks like in real world. But they had a higher rate of developing preeclampsia. Again, no big brainer there. Similarly, PCOS was also associated with higher rates of peripartum cardiomyopathy. That's not good. Heart failure, another stunner. Pulmonary edema and even venous thromboembolism. There also tended to be a swing towards higher frequency with the kidney issues, but those were the main factors involved here, including VTE, and that odds ratio is pretty surprising. I'm going to tell you that coming up. Remember what odds ratios mean. Odds ratios is a simple way of research of saying, what are the chances or the probability of somebody with a condition developing something else compared to somebody else who doesn't have the condition? So it's not a true number. It's just a risk. It's a roll of the dice. But you have to interpret odds ratios with absolute numbers. So I'm going to give you both here, but let's do odds ratios first. After the adjustments for age, race, and ethnicity, comorbidities, insurance, and income, PCOS remained an independent predictor of many cardiovascular issues peripartum. Patients with PCOS had higher risk of development of preeclampsia with an odds ratio of 1.56. That means it was 56% more likely compared to somebody who didn't have PCOS. Also, deliveries among women with a history of PCOS were associated with higher rates of eclampsia at an odds ratio of 1.58 or 58%, peripartum cardiomyopathy at 1.79, that's 79% higher risk, pulmonary edema at 1.41, 
acute kidney injury was also 1.41. And here's the catch. Venous thromboembolism was 1.82. Well, what does 1.82 mean? Well, remember, if it's over 1, the 0.82 means it's 82% more likely compared to somebody without PCOS. And 82% higher risk of throwing a clot? It's a big number, right? It's a big percentage. But the absolute number is what really matters. So I'm going to give you this in just a minute. So again, odds ratios all high for acute peripartum issues, including VTE. What do those numbers mean? Okay, because odds ratios, as we just said it, have to do with the absolute number to put everything in perspective. Well, this study, as most population studies do, look at things per 100,000. So this was number of events per 100,000 as the absolute number correlate. Okay, here we go. So the development of preeclampsia in those with PCOS was 10,255 patients compared to 4,353 patients, in other words, more than doubled, per 100,000 deliveries. So the absolute number is still, you know, 10,000 per 100,000. We're not talking like a huge number, but it's still the odds ratio is still there for PCOS with the cardiomyopathy issue that, again, was 81 per 100,000 versus 30 per 100,000. So it's not going to like we're going to see this, you know, every week, but 81 compared to 30 is a big change. For heart failure, for those without PCOS, it was 44 per 100,000. But for those suffering with PCOS, it was 103 per 100,000. Again, about a double. Talking about venous thromboembolism, which is really what I wanted to focus on, because we don't really think about VTE risk. We get the preeclampsia, we get the heart issues. But for those without PCOS, what they found is that VTE is about 34 per 100,000 peripartum hospitalizations. Okay, again, very low. And it's still low with PCOS, but when you compare it to those without PCOS, it goes up to 89 per 100,000 compared to 34. So almost threefold higher. So see why it's important to get the odds ratio and the absolute number? No, they're not going to start you know, falling from the sky with PCOS and delivery and clots all the time, but it is something to consider. So I don't know, should we start putting VTE prophylaxis on you know, their SEDs even after a vaginal delivery? Um, probably not there yet, but it's something to educate both our nursing staff, other providers, and the patients about mobilization, and especially if they have a C-section, which is already its own high independent risk factor for clots, but especially if they also have PCOS, just some other factor, another layer of protection to think about to keep our patients safe. Okay, podcast family, so what's the new? What's All right, podcast family, the Journal of the American Heart Association has these little captions in their articles that I really like. It's called, What's the New? Okay, in other words, what do I need to know? Well, I think it's really important. So let's wrap this podcast up by covering the what's the new and what are the clinical implications? Well, here it is. Polycystic ovarian syndrome is an independent risk factor for increased risk of acute cardiovascular complications at the time of delivery hospitalization. This can include peripartum cardiomyopathy, acute heart failure, pulmonary edema, and venous thromboembolism. So we have to educate our patients about that, as well as ourselves and, of course, our sister profession, which is our nursing staff. This association of polycystic ovarian syndrome with these acute cardiovascular complications at delivery remains significant even after adjustments for preeclampsia and eclampsia risk. 
So what's the clinical implication? Well, this study stresses the importance of optimizing cardiovascular health in women with PCOS, hopefully before, but if you can't do it before pregnancy, then hopefully during pregnancy with healthy diet, uh, stress reduction, and low-dose aspirin to try to prevent these adverse cardiovascular complications. Can you believe it? Podcast family, this is my first post-COVID podcast. Well, I don't say post-COVID because I'm actually intra-COVID, right? I'm still in it. But I'm on the way out for sure, thanks to the great staff, nursing staff, resident staff, the attendings that took care of me. I mean, I'm telling you, it could have been worse and I'm getting better. I plan to be back on work on Monday, hopefully, uh, because I'm declaring that I am done with this nonsense. Anyway, thanks for sending out the messages. Super helpful, guys. We all need to be encouraged. It means a lot that those two little words, hey, I'm here, or hey, what's going on? That really put a smile on my face and just gave me much more life in these bones. So thank you for that. As always, we appreciate you. We thank you for being part of our podcast family, and we'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls.